passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. everyone, welcome to episode one of the long and winding Royal Road. And for those people who are listening right now and thinking, but WH, you did an episode last month. That was episode zero. So that was the prologue episode, the prequel, if you will, to the, the main series, which is this episode. This is episode one. And of course, the long and winding Royal Road here at postwrestling.com is a, a podcast dedicated to the 1990s era of all Japan pro wrestling, the four pillars era, if you will, and uh, you know we're, we're going to talk about tons of matches from this era during the course of the series. When the series ends, I don't know. It's a monthly show, so I could be finished this in like ten years. You know, it could it could span the entirety of its own decade. Uh, you know, who knows what will happen with this show? But uh, one of the things I I want to do with this show is kind of educate people about. The, the 1990s era of All Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, one of my favorite periods of professional wrestling ever. And, you know, like, I'll have guests on who are experts of that era, too, who love that era as much as I do. But one other thing I want to do is kind of, like, get people on who maybe aren't as familiar with the, the time period as I am. And that's my guest today. It's uh, He's a well-renowned uh, podcaster of his own over at uh, the PWT cast. Uh, he is the man known as Scrump. Scrump, how are you, sir? Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? I am honored to be a uh, guest for episode one. I guess technically the first guest. I don't know if episode zero counts. But nonetheless, I am, I as a listener of everyone here at the post-wrestling family, for a while, back to the law days, um, I patted myself on the back that, I was asked twice to appear on the post uh, Christmas show, the you know the, the yearly Christmas show, but I think I'm gonna have to pat myself again on the back to be honored to be asked by none other than WH himself to be on one of your shows because your shows have always been one of my favorites. Like I, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know much about Japanese wrestling, but pretty much all that I have learned has been from you. You know, you, you you're always supplying us with tons of fun content. Uh, in our secret uh, group chat that we we can't mention, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited to uh, get into. I actually thought at first that we were doing the best of Kenny Omega, but then you sent me the link and I was like, oh man. But still, nonetheless, excited. It, this is stuff is better than Kenny Omega. No, just kidding. <laughs> I I I understand people love Kenny Omega. It's it's a joke. People like people might be. Uh, I think I might have offended people when I was talking about the, the legendary status of Stan Hansen here in Japan, Scrump. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and during the course of that, uh, that part of the uh, podcast, I, I said, no one ever asked me about Kenny fucking Omega. And like some people might have been like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> but it's true. Like, you know, Stan Hansen, 
almost everyone in this country knows who Stan Hansen is. He's a legend. I never get asked about Kenny Omega, so there you go. Anyway, I don't want to make this about Kenny Omega. If, if there's ever a best of Kenny Omega, it won't be on this show because he never wrestled for the 90s, you know, in, in all Japan in the 90s, so it, it's not likely to happen. He did wrestle in all Japan for wrestling in the, the Muda era in the 2000s, so, you know, if I ever do a show about that, I'm probably going to talk about that because he, he actually had a lot of good matches. He was the junior heavyweight champion in all Japan for wrestling for, for a time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, today, uh, so let, before we get started, for those of you who aren't familiar with Scrump, Scrump, give us a bit of a background on your pro wrestling fandom. And like you said, you a lot of your, your, your Japanese wrestling knowledge comes from me, which I apologize for. I'm, I'm sure you don't want to know the, the intricacies of how shitty Taichi looks with his terrible gear. Um, oh, no, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> But, um, yeah, how did you get started as a pro wrestling fan? Well, with wrestling in general, uh, I was never I was never big on wrestling as a kid. Uh, I knew what it was, obviously. I mean, it's hard. I grew up right in, in the Attitude Era, basically. So it's hard not to know who your Stone Colds and The Rock and, you know, all those names are. But it wasn't until the go-home show before WrestleMania 20, the SmackDown, where there was a scuffle. It was a promo between Eddie and Kurt Angle. And I thought, who is this fucking cool ass Mexican guy? That's just, you know, that's on my TV right now. And that was, you know, what led me to wrestling. Um, Eddie Guerrero, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. I, about Eddie, his career. Um, and kind of, that was just my way into discovering wrestling as a whole, because again, I knew it was a thing, but I just never really cared. And then, um, from there it's just you know I, I was all in and i mean as far as like japanese wrestling shinsuke nakamura i say would be would be a person who who kind of got me into it because i don't know if you know this but wwe when it comes to their japanese wrestlers uh not the best with presenting them they were often like the butt of the joke or uh you know look at any Jerry Lawler match where he's commentating, you know, a match between Asian people. And I'm sure he'll say some incredibly racist shit that shows you, you know, up until a certain point, how they treated their, their Asian talent. I mean, it was most of their talent, you know, they had the Mexicals who were gardeners. Uh, but I saw Shinsuke Nakamura and Tanahashi at one of those, uh, war of the world shows that they would do that ring of honor would do in conjunction with them. And I thought, who the fuck is this guy? Like Shinsuke Nakamura just instantly won me over, and I believe he had a match with Kevin o- with Kevin Steen, um, or it was some sort of tag. I don't know something, but I saw him in Tanahashi, but I was all in. You know, I discovered New Japan because again, I I knew of these other companies, but I didn't know how to go about watching them or or finding them, and just started looking at things with Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, And then my first New Japan show that I saw was ironically his last one that I saw in full. It was Wrestle Kingdom with him and AJ. And I just, you know, every Wrestle Kingdom since then I've watched. I try to watch him live. I sometimes just wait till the next morning. But, um, yeah, I mean, my wrestling fandom starts with Eddie Guerrero. And now I'm more, you know, every other company except for WWE. Uh, I understand the appeal to it and why some people are still all about it. Uh, but I prefer much, you know, Japanese wrestling, you know, uh, stuff from Mexico, independent wrestling. I, I am attracted to more of the workers. I, I don't mind a, a fun character here and there. 
but for the most part, it's the worker, the work rate that uh, the drag, you know, the drags me in. I don't mind seeing a John Cena cut, you know, this fiery baby face promo, uh, but I'd much rather see Kazuchika Okada, you know, wrestling for an hour and just blowing my mind. So it's safe to say that you're you're not that familiar with the All Japan Pro Wrestling from the 1990s. No, I mean a lot of the names are. You know, I've heard the names. You know, uh, I've heard just throughout. You know, people mention, "Oh, you should check out this. You should check out that." Um, and so I'm I was familiar with the names, even the names of the people in this match. Uh, just again from kind of delving into Japanese wrestling as a whole, uh, I was familiar with the names, but not with a lot of their work. And it's not for any particular reason other than, again, when I start watching wrestling, the the big Japanese company is New Japan. So that's kind of what I start. And it's not till later that, you know, I, I, I start watching some Noah or I start watching some DDT. And yeah, but I mean, I, I heard the names, you know, I've, I've heard Misawa, I've heard Junakiyama, um, just so I was familiar with the names, not so much the the wrestlers themselves, though. Yeah, so you know, like like I said before, one of the purposes is to kind of kind of convert people to, to to this style of wrestling and get kind of a fresh kind of outlook on the matches that they watch with me here on uh, the long and winding Royal Road. And uh, so I picked this match, and I thought I picked this match because I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a match that I think maybe you would like, Scrump, and um, you know, like kind of kind of find a hidden gem for us to talk about here on episode one. So the match I picked is uh, is from the Real World Tag League, day 10 uh, of 1997. It's The date is no- November 27th uh, of that year uh, from the Nakajima Sports Center in Sapporo in Hokkaido, Japan. It's Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinzaki versus Mitsuhara Misawa and Jun Akiyama. And before I start, I should make a note that Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinzaki are not all Japan pro wrestling wrestlers. They are from FMW uh, and uh, Michinoku Pro, respectively. So for those of you who don't know uh, about FMW, are you familiar with FMW, Scrum? I, I've heard about it. I did Jericho wrestle for them, no? Yeah, see, uh, briefly, and then he would wrestle. Briefly, yeah. Or... So I, I, I know I've heard Jericho talk about FMW. Again, FMW is a company I've, I've heard of. I've never really dealt too much myself into it along with michinoku pro as well like I've, I've heard these names i just uh don't know much of the history about them but i'm you know sure what, you're about to tell me do, do you know what fmw stands for um full metal what no i don't know i'm trying to i'm trying to think of what the acronyms could mean well no. it stands for uh, frontier martial arts wrestling which has got to be one of the best like promotion names in the history of wrestling. That is a, that's a pretty metal sounding name. I like it. <laughs> I think they, they, they're, they're on the frontier because, you know, of martial arts, because, you know, they were a deathmatch company, you know, like FMW is very famous for being kind of a pioneer of what we know as uh, deathmatch wrestling here in Japan and in uh, North America as well. Like, you know, everyone from ECW, CZW to, you know, game changer wrestling today would, I would trace the roots back to, you know, FMW. Same with in Japan, like Freedoms, uh, and, and and of course, Big Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, they trace the, the influence of their companies back to Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. And uh, Hayabusa was a big star 
in that company, um, him, Masato Tanaka, uh, the Gladiator, Mike Awesome, were three of the biggest stars in that company. They they would all wrestle for All Japan, uh, you know, in some capacity uh, throughout their careers. Um, but yeah, this company started by Asushi Onida, who was actually uh, a junior heavyweight in All Japan. He he wasn't going to go anywhere in, in All Japan necessarily as a heavyweight, so he decided to, uh, you know, strike out on his own, and he formed. FMW to great success. You know, he's one of the biggest draws in professional wrestling when he was part of FMW. But Hayabusa was uh, just this kind of like pioneering high flyer. He, yeah, he's one of the, the, the best mass wrestlers of the 1990s and early 2000s. Uh, Jinsei Shinzaki was from Michinoku Pro Wrestling. A lot of people might remember him as Hakushi, the modern day kamikaze. Do you remember Hakushi in the WWF? So no, I I mean I the first Japanese WWE wrestler I was exposed to was uh, Kenzo Suzuki. For those of you like I, I mentioned to Brandon uh, Brandon from New Jersey earlier, my knowledge of 2005 to 2008 SmackDown, I got you. But uh, no, I I so after watching this match, Jinzei Shinzaki, spoiler alert, becomes one of my favorite guys to watch. Uh, I watched this. Friday or Saturday, um, you know, so I could take notes and stuff. And since then, I've just been looking things up of him. A lot of like top moves or just random matches of his. And, and like, I just one day I was like, oh, let me Wikipedia him and see what's up. And that's what I found out that he was in WWE. Uh, and I guess was uh, uh, had like a weird exit from the WWE. Um, it was like post one of the Royal Rumbles, but it was very weird that like the way JR explained his leaving of the company. I don't even remember how he left the company, but um, if you look at you know his time in WWF, he's got a kind of kind of a similar gimmick, but a little different. Like he wears like kanji on his body, like mm-hmm. like as kind of like war paint, as, as as it were. But like his gimmick is basically, if you're watching this match and you're like, what's his gimmick? Well, he's a Shinto priest. Is basically his gimmick, right? So like how that relates to being like a pro wrestler. I don't know, but like, how does how does a a zombie mortician relate to being a pro wrestler? You know, there you go. But yeah, yeah. But if you go to the, I, I don't know if like how many of his matches are up on the uh, the WWE Network. But if you have it and you want to look up for more of Jinsei Shinsaki stuff, check out his matches with Bret Hart and uh, Sean Waltman, the One Two Three Kid. They're 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 the kind of the highlights of his time in that company. Uh, but yeah, like so, I wanna I wanna give a bit of a background on uh, Hayabusa and, and here especially as they take on the team. I don't know if we talked about the uh, the, the, the All-Japan team they're going to face. They're going to take on, so Hayabusa and Jinsei Sasaki are going to take on the team of Mitsuharu Misawa, the ace of All-Japan Pro Wrestling, and his uh, tag team partner and protege at this time, Jun Akiyama. So let's talk about briefly, I don't know how briefly it's going to be. I have a lot of notes about this, but about Hayabusa. And I, I'm going to say that all my notes about Hayabusa are from this excellent FMW fan site. Uh, the address is uh, fmwwrestling.us, and that's with two Ws. Uh, and that's run by this guy, Brett, who's the super, super FMW fan. He's like the uh, the fountain of knowledge, if you will, Scrump, about FMW. And his Twitter handle is at Bahu, B-A-H-U-F-M-W. So give him a follow if you want to know more about FMW. But, um, you know, hi, Blissa, wrestle for FMW. But he would meet with, uh, you know, All Japan Pro Wrestling promoter Giant Baba on March 2nd, 1997. Uh, this was an appointment set up by FMW President Shoichi Arai and also 
by FMW legend Atsushi Onida, uh, who had a relationship with Giant Baba because he used to wrestle for All Japan Pro Wrestling, as I said before. So he goes into this meeting with Giant Baba, you know, at, at a cafe, and and Giant Baba says, "Okay, you can come wrestle for All Japan Pro Wrestling." So you know, what would be the equivalent of this? It'd be like if you know someone from, uh, you know, it's like if like Nick Gage, you know, went to meet with Tony Khan, and he said, "Okay, you can wrestle for uh, AEW." I mean, I would love for Nick Cage to be seen on TV, whether it's for Tony Khan or Sinclair Broadcasts, or oh, it's going to be so good to see him just on on regular television. Nick Cage is—he's a good man, that Nick Cage is. But okay, I see, I see the the comparison that you're making. So it's it's you know you have to understand at this time like most of the wrestling companies have this very isolationist policy, especially you know New Japan. And all Japan, but all Japan even more so than 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 New Japan has this like we don't let outsiders come into our company and wrestle our big stars or or have any kind of you know like uh, gain any momentum here, so to speak. So this is this is a really big deal. So Hayabusa would make his All Japan debut on April second, nineteen ninety seven, at the Osaka Prefectural Gym, and uh, he he's the first non All Japan wrestler, like I said, to wrestle for All Japan in many many years. He teams up with the Mass Tornado to take on the team of Kentaro Shiga and Manuika Mossman. Uh, he gets his first win in All Japan by pitting Shiga with the Firebird Splash. Uh, then we move on to April 19th at Budokan Hall. Uh, Hayabusa teams up with uh, um, Suzuki Gun member Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Yeah, believe it or not, Scrum, Yoshinobu Kanemaru has been wrestling since like the late 90s. Yeah, I you couldn't see the look on my face right now when you confirmed that it was him. Yeah, I... Huh. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, he's been wrestling a long time. Yoshinari, and they take on the team of Yoshinari Gawa and Kentaro Shiga. Uh, and this is Haibusa's Budokan Hall debut. And uh, yeah, I, I think he wins this match. I can't remember. Anyway, it's not important. June 6th, 1997, at Budokan Hall. Uh, he, Haibusa returns, and he teams up with Jun Akiyama to take on the team of Takao Mori and Kentaro Shiga. Kentaro Shiga is like, you know, like this this guy who's always in these matches with, uh, with Haibusa, probably to take the pin because he's like really low on the totem pole in all Japan at this time, Scrum. Okay, okay. So uh, so this is kind of the start of this kind of, uh, I don't know, like rivalry, this budding rivalry between Akiyama and and, um, and Hayabusa because, like, they, you know, they're teaming together, and, uh, and Akiyama gets the win for his team here. And then, you know, like most of the times, you know, tag team partners shake hands, but, you know, Akiyama didn't want to shake hands with uh you know with him uh you know he's he they do shake hands but it's like this look on akiyama's face it's like you're an outsider you're an fmw deathmatch you know out mud, mud show outlaw whatever the fuck you know like people call it you know wrestler oh i don't i don't want to i don't want to i want to hang out with you and then you know this this this, this, this there's like this air of distrust and maybe even disdain in the air between akiyama and haibusa here yeah, I mean that's it's an easy storyline to tell, I guess. You know, it's the, the pure wrestler doesn't want to get in there and mix it up with, uh, you know, the dirty backyarder. Makes sense. Exactly right. Like it's like CM Punk coming into the the, the WF, whatever. You know, it's like oh, this dirty indie garbage promotion wrestler. But like that's kind of like Hayabusa's like not image to the fans, but to just to Akiyama, because everyone else is kind of, you know, accepting of him for the most part in all Japan for wrestling. Uh, we move on to uh, September 28th. Now, this is the, the match that we're going to... Oh, it's actually t- September 28th, uh, 1997. 
Hayabusa would team with Mitsuharu Misawa for the first and only time of their careers in all Japan, and they would take on Jun Akiyama and Satoru Asako. And yeah, after the match, you know, all four wrestlers would show respect for one another, but Akiyama again would hesitate to shake Hayabusa's hand, and when finally doing it, would not even look in his eyes and just immediately walked away from the guy. And that what a big diss that would be. Imagine if you met someone and you and you did something together and everyone's, you know, showing respect to one another and and the and one person scrump just looked at you, they begrudgingly shook your hand and just like looked you up and down with disdain. How would you feel? It's not a nice feeling, especially when you know you tag team wrestled with the guy and you're just you know, you're you're not doing anything wrong. Man just doesn't approve of where you've come from and if we can learn anything from what's going on in the world right now is you shouldn't be judging people based on where they come from. You should be judging them based on their character. Exactly. And so we jumped to uh, November 15th, 1997 at Korokan Hall, Hayabusa. And Jinsei Shinzaki would enter in the 1997 All Japan Real World Tag Team Tournament. This is like one of the oldest tournaments in the history of wrestling scrum, the Real World Tag League. I love tag team wrestling. Like, I'm... I'm always excited watching one. I, I love tournaments. I'm I'm a whore for tournaments. If you know whether it's single elimination or the G1, I just I love me a good tournament. So I was that's why I was kind of excited when I saw that. I was like, oh okay, so this is you know part of the World Tag League, and I'm, I I believe it was the it was one of those New Japan ones that I I tried to get into, but like New Japan doesn't have the best tag team tag team division right now uh but i'm excited for guys like the revival who uh are kind of trying to to bring that back because you conversely look at foreign companies and how they treat their tag teams and then you look at that other company that has their tag team champions playing uh bowling or dancing or whatever it is with the viking raiders and it's just like okay well i know where not to go for tag team wrestling so i was pretty excited as as a matter of fact, that you picked a tag team match um, because, like, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm a big fan of tag team wrestling. Well, here you go. But um, before we get to our, our the match we're going to talk about, Scrum, I, I just kind of mentioned that on November 27th of 1997 in Sendai, uh, Hayabusa and Shinzaki would take on the team of the Holy Demon Army of Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe. And uh, what do you think about, first of all, what do you think about that name of a tag team, the Holy Demon? Demon Army. That's a pretty badass name. Like I'm, when putting together tag teams, it's always it's sometimes it's hit or miss. With I mean, I would prefer if you're coming together for a tag team, you have a name. Like it's kind of annoying when it's just oh, it's this wrestler and that wrestler, and that's just what they refer to them as. You know, like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on and off forever have teamed up, and they've never had like an official name as far as I know, uh, but to have like a legit name to me, it's like if you're real, you're real tag team and you have a legit name and you have matching gear because you know, th- those are my, those are the scrump requirements for a good tag team. But that's a, that's as bad as a tag team name as it gets. Yeah. I mean like Kawada and Tawai never had matching gear. <laughs> if, you, if you ever see any of their matches, you'd be like, yeah, they don't look like they're part of any tag team, but even they, they work together. I think I don't necessarily need the matching gear. I just need them to like 
you know, just have chemistry together in the ring. That's all I need. But this this brings us to our match that we're going to talk about today. Scrum. We're going to talk about November 27th, 1997, the Sapporo Nakajima Sports Center, day 10 of the Real World Tag League. Jinsei Shizaki Hayabusa taking on Mitsuhara Misawa and Jun Akiyama. So we get to the, we start the video and um, we see, you know, like, um, uh, first off, Hayabusa and Shizaki come out to Hayabusa's theme song. The theme song is called Fight with Dream. What a badass title for an entrance theme. I thought he just had a badass, like, his gear and everything. I was a big fan of the entrances from everyone here. Like, uh, like Jinsei, his whole getup, and Hayabusa, same thing. I, I was big on all of it. So what do you think about Hayabusa's gear? Like, like, like his, when I first saw him, I was like, oh, he kind of looks like Sabu. Yes, I, ve- I very much, I thought, like, if Sabu was some sort of, like, uh, like like a superhero, you know, instead of like a weird like homophobic kind of racist online, like that's what he would look like. Because yeah, you know, you have like these like Power Ranger esque uh, like the the thing he wore up on his his torso. You know, it almost looked like what like uh, the green Power Ranger wears. Um, but just the way he's presented, you know, again the the pants. I was like, okay, I'm like it. I don't see it too often, but. I, I dig it. it. It kind of meshed with him. It, it fit him. Yeah, yeah, it definitely fits with his, uh, you know, his style of wrestling. And then, of course, coming out second is a team of Masawa and Akiyama, and they come out to Masawa's classic theme, Spartan X. And this is like one of the, you know, signature themes in the history of uh, Japanese professional wrestling scrum. Well, I mean, I could tell because right away, like, I mean, again, this is the, this is the first the first whole Misawa match that I've seen, I've, I've seen clips of, of him, lots of gifts of him. Obviously they're all, they're all over the place, but seeing the crowd or hearing the crowd just go crazy for him. I was just like, okay. Like I, I instantly knew this is, this is the guy. Like if, I mean, it, not that there was ever any doubt that Misawa was going to be as over as he was, but seeing him come out and just, you know, hearing everyone go as crazy for him. I was just like, okay, okay. I'm like, okay. I'm down. I'm down with this. All right. So we'll start the match. So Akiyama and Hayabusa start off the match. They're facing off against one another. This is playing into the kind of like the, the rivalry I've been talking about that started uh, from June 6th. Uh, the first several m- minutes of this is just them feeling each other out and trading moves and holds with Hayabusa getting the better of Akiyama by sending him to the outside with a drop kick. Uh, Hayabusa would taunt Akiyama by doing a backflip from the second rope, which is about as effective as, as a middle finger, in my opinion, Scrum. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely tell, you know, it's, like you said, it was them kind of just, uh, what, what would it be like? It's just like, you know, them going kind of back and forth, trying to one-up each other. And yeah, when he did that backflip, I was just like, okay, all right. I'm, I mean, now with the context of the, the storyline that was going on with him, it makes sense that, you know, he would kind of be a shaking to him with, uh, with that little backflip. Yeah. So from here, uh, Shizaki tags in, locks up with and with Akiyama, and immediately goes for an uppercut thrust to the chin, which annoys Akiyama. This is kind of like you know his signature move. It's like that the the cane upper upper thrust, you know, uppercut. Mm-hmm. Shizaki does kind of a similar style of strike in his own uh, wrestling repertoire. Uh, from here, Akiyama gets the upper hand with some strikes. Uh, he sends Shizaki into the ropes, but uh, Shizaki ducks a flying knee and a clothesline from Akiyama, and he hits Akiyama with a flying shoulder tackle. And so far, from in this point in the match, the, the FMW Michinoku Pro team is looking very good in there with these All Japan like mainstays. 
Yeah, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was one. Uh, I love Jinsei uh, giving a nod to Cena with that shoulder block. Uh, but no, I, I, you kind of tell like, all right, they're they're letting them get their shit in first because um, it is a little bit of a slow slow start, which is fine. Like I, I had no qualms, no, no, nothing bothered me about that. But yeah, you could definitely tell them kind of just getting their shit in, and again with the context of they're the outsiders coming in, like it, it makes sense that they would let them shine a little bit because, uh, I mean, again, within the context, I'm not getting into the ending, but it, it makes sense. Once we get. By the way, I hope you're being facetious when you say that Jinsei was giving a nod to John Cena. In <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was, he was a Cena fan back then, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when Cena's what, like, I don't know what, how old is Cena in 1997? He's like 16. Maybe I probably he's you know a little sixteen year old Cena. Yeah, I'm sure Shinsei Sasaki was searching out for you know videotapes of him backyarding with his friends in uh, <laughs> in uh, fucking Massachusetts. <laughs> Anyways, Masawa finally tags in at this point in the match. He locks up with Shinsaki, and they have a pretty uneventful exchange until Shinsaki tags in Hayabusa, who hits Masawa with a springboard elbow to the back of Masawa's neck. Uh, from here, Hayabusa spends most of his time with uh, Misawa working over Misawa's arm. Uh, Shinzaki tags back in and things pick up from here. There's a strikes exchange that Misawa wins with a dropkick that sends Shinzaki to the floor. And I love this spot in the match here. Uh, Misawa tries to psych him out with his over-the-top like his over the top rope flip. But Shinzaki catches uh, Misawa's arm as he rolls back into the ring. He backflips back, back into the ring. And then Shinzaki grabs his arm. He then jumps up to the top rope. And does his prayer walk along the top rope, clearing about half of the perimeter of the ring. So fuck you, Undertaker. I never saw you clear half the fucking ring, let alone like you know more than like two feet of like the one of the top rope on like one side of the ring. And then you know, but and then he goes for a top rope chop to Masawa's head, but Masawa, thankfully for him, blocks that. And uh, but you know, Shizaki recovers, sends a thrust kick to Masawa's chin. And the All Japan fans are, are really getting into this match at this point. They're really into, like, the team of, you know, Shinzaki and Hayabusa, these two outsiders. But what did you think about the, the prayer walk along the top rope there? My jaw was literally agape when that happened because for some – I mean, for someone his size, he moves – you don't expect him to move like that. And, yeah, when he gets up on the on the rope and does – you know, we've all seen Undertaker do the – what do they call it, the old school or – they might just say like walking the rope, whatever it is. He, he just moved like it was nothing. Like yeah. he walked so calm and so so smooth that I I was I was like, wait, what's going? Where's where are these wires holding him up? Because no, he just it was amazing. I literally wrote in my notes, uh, "Holy shit, Jensei's my new favorite wrestler." Because that, that was just so impressive to to see it done. Like you mentioned, Undertaker does it maybe one rope, but yeah, he he cleared a lot. A lot of fucking room with that, and super impressive. I, I was really impressed with that because again, it's. I mean, if you saw some, if you saw a bigger guy like that moving now, it's it's a little bit more common. But I'm not sure exactly how, how often you saw that back then. You know, someone again of his size moving like that. Like I would expect that maybe from Hayabusa because he's you know he's a smaller guy, a little quicker, more agile. But no, it was. I was really impressed with that. It's if, if you guys are listening to this right now, and you haven't seen it. Do yourself a favor and, and go out of the way to watch that specific spot. If any, if you watch anything for this match, that specific spot because holy shit, is it just incredible? 
and, and he's also praying at the same time, Scar. That's that's the impressive thing. He's praying while he's like holding Masao's arm and just taking him like halfway around the ring while he's I mean, walking it, on the top rope. If I'm walking on those ropes, I would probably be praying as well because Jesus, you know, one one wrong step and you would have just ate shit. Yeah, exactly. And Masao at any time can just like pull him off or like you know crotch him on on the top rope, but you know it, it doesn't turn out that way for Masao. Thankfully for Shinzaki, uh, from here uh, Jinsei Shinzaki hits a Vader bomb and then slaps on another nerve hold onto uh, to uh, Masao here. Uh, Akiyama and Hayabusa eventually tag in against one another, and the match really starts kind of getting to the second gear from this point, with both men exchanging blows, including Hayabusa hitting a jumping knee to Akiyama while he's in the corner, and following up with a beautiful springboard face crusher on Akiyama. Yeah, that was, again, like, this was my first, this was my first Hayabusa match, and I, it definitely won't be my last, because that was, it was, again, really impressive, and with a lot of the moves in general that Hayabusa did, just the way he wrestled, I can see how um, a lot of like early 2000s wrestlers, even wrestlers now, uh, how much they would have been influenced by him because it is it is something that you're more accustomed to seeing now. But seeing someone who, I mean, I don't know if he's the originator per se, but seeing someone who was bringing that more to light, like it was just awesome. I I was really impressed with Hayabusa as well. Uh, from here, Akiyama regains control with a pile driver and hits his patented jumping knee strike. Uh, Shinzaki tries to tries for his Vader bomb again, but Akiyama gets his knees up. Uh, Masawa tags in, hits a senton, driving his entire weight into you know Shinzaki's already hurting midsection. I was just like, every time Masawa does this senton, this jumping senton onto his opponent who's lying on the ground, I just like wince because it's like this man's not light. He's like two hundred and forty five pounds maybe at this point. Yeah, the I yeah he's by no means like a like a smaller guy, but I mean if you say he's what two forty, I'm gonna say you know two thirty to two forty at this point. Two thirty to forty. All right. I mean he, you know he he hides it well. I guess he, I wouldn't if you would have told me I would have guessed maybe like you know smaller two hundreds, but yeah that senton I I'm glad I don't I don't ever have to take a senton. It doesn't look like something fun to have to take. No, definitely not. Uh, from here, Masao and Akiyama just work over uh, Shinzaki's midsection until Hibusa tags in and hits a flurry of moves, including a springboard elbow to Akiyama's face, a jumping spinning heel kick, and a modified fisherman buster that only gets a two count. And and this 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 like two count out of this this kick out of this fisherman buster, uh, fisherman brain buster, really then like we're 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 going to the next level uh, in the pacing of this match scrum. Yeah, that's where I kind of felt that things started to pick up because, um, again, uh, kind of a slower start than you would expect. But once they start getting to the near falls, that's just when it starts. It's like, go, 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 go. And, yeah, this is when I like the first pitfalls where I was like, oh, oh. Exactly. So um, Akiyama hits a second rope jumping knee to Hayabusa. He tags in Misawa, who climbs to the top rope to hit a flying elbow to Hayabusa's face. And you can see that the you know the all Japan team are like kind of like thinking oh we gotta we gotta match this high flying combo from like from outside of our company and so they're doing all these top rope high flying maneuvers now. Yeah, there's there's a there's a top rope maneuver that's coming. I don't yeah that's coming that that one kind of impressed me a little bit more. I, I'm not sure how often Misawa goes to the top, but um, I'm, I'm sure you you'll, you'll, I'm sure you're getting to it right now because. Uh, 
yeah, it, it's pretty impressive. You just, uh, yeah, you didn't bring it up yet, right, Jinsei? Oh, well, so, like, so from here, Misawa goes for his Tiger Driver, uh, one of his finishers, but, you know, Suzaki saves the day with this gorgeous top rope double axe handle to, to the back of, you know, Misawa's uh, neck, and, he, and then Hayabusa follows up with a high kick to Masawa's head, and then a German suplex, which, unfortunately for Hayabusa, he, he cannot hold. Was that the move you're talking about? Like, this, this springboard, like, double yeah, handle? Yeah, I was just like, whoa, again, just, it, it, for me, I'm just kind of refocused on everything, and it just came out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, again, there's everything, they're, just, they're picking it up now, they're they're moving in there a lot faster, hitting a lot more high spots, and yeah, that, that really impressed me. So one thing I think, you know, like, that I like about this match is kind of the, the grace that both Hayabusa and Jinsei Suzaki show in like the way they do high flying moves. Like there's kind of like, it's like they're flowing through the air, you know, like as opposed to like, you know, they're not missiles, but they're more like birds, like gracefully, you know, going through the air to, 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 to do damage, to do violence upon their opponents in this match scrum. Definitely, yeah, they're they're very good. I I mean, one of the things I wrote here is uh, they're both smooth like butter, and yeah, you mentioned it. It's a lot more graceful as opposed to them just just going up there and hitting things for the sake of hitting things. Like it all, it almost seemed like everything they were doing, they were doing it with a purpose. And it, to me, at least, it definitely came off that way because uh, you mentioned there there is a grace to everything that that it is that they're doing. Yeah. So the pick the pe- the pace. Picks up even more from here. Uh, Hayabusa hits a springboard senton flip, and Shizaki follows up with a springboard knee drop to the face, and then Hayabusa hits an acai moonsault, and Shizaki falls with a diving headbutt from the top rope. There's a one, a two, but Mikasawa kicks out before three, but he just got hit with like five, four or five different moves in succession here, Scrum. It was amazing. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, and like the cherry on top of it is that, that headbutt, which... I mean, in hindsight, knowing what we know about the headbutt not being like the safest of moves to be doing, uh, it definitely made it more impactful for me because, um, like, I know how much of a toll that's taking on the actual wrestler's body. So that definitely, again, it just kind of heightens it for me because uh, these guys are all professionals, and there's a lot of moves that they're doing that I'm sure we look at and go and kind of wince because we think that hurts. But again, they're professionals, so a lot of these moves probably don't hurt. Uh, a flying headbutt don't think there's any there is any cheat way around that to to not make that like shoot hurt you i think he's he's able to like protect himself you know a lot better than a lot of people who do the flying headbutt from the top rope but uh you know from here uh masala escapes a powerbomb attempt from shizaki with the frankensteiner and and he hits shizaki with an elbow and is able to tag in akiyama and from this point, they do their own double teaming with a series of elbow smashes that Akiyama follows up with a Northern Light suplex. Uh, Hayabusa saves Shinzaki from a German suplex with a springboard forearm to Akiyama's back. And uh, Shinzaki then hits a great-looking Pele kick. Like, he does, you know, basically he backflips into this beautiful kick into Shizaki, into Akiyama's head. Yeah, that, I'll, I was really... I... I love a who is it that does it? AJ. AJ often does a good Pele kick, but this one was this one's pretty damn good. Well, you know, like Shizaki, like you're saying, he's 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 a thick boy, this man, you know. Like he's not yeah, super he, tall, you know, relatively speaking, but man, he's he is a he's a thick dude. Like I'd say he's like, you know, way heavier than AJ and then but he does a, a much better looking Pele kick than AJ does. I yeah, think. he he's almost like a like a taller um like Ishii. You know, like they have that kind of like that same stocky build where, 
you wouldn't necessarily call them like bigger dudes, but they're just they're thick. You know, a lot, a lot of a lot of wrestlers back in that era were just thick. And I don't think you're gonna see Tomohiro Ishii do a, a fucking Pele kick ever. Listen, if Tomohiro Ishii pulls off a Pele kick, I mean, listen, right now with the way everything's going out of the world, I would not be surprised to see him come back in the, the New Japan Cup and pull one off because. Why not? Maybe that's what he's been practicing with all this time off. <laughs> LA cake? Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's just been drinking and eating. I mean, you know, I possibly could have been doing that as well. <laughs> that's probably what he's been doing. Anyways, uh, so we're, we're pretty much into the crescendo of the match from this point. Uh, uh, one of my highlights in this at this point in the match is the, the moonsault Hayabusa hits on Misawa, who's standing on the floor at ringside. So imagine this. So Hayabusa jumps on the top rope on one side of the ring. He kind of backflips diagonally. He clears the turnbuckle. And hits Masao with this amazing accuracy. Who's and Masao is on the floor at this point. And I just like, how do you do that? Like, you know, it's people might think I'm talking about like the, the golden triangle for Kotobushi, but it's not that move. This is completely different. I, I'm gonna say it's, it might be even a little bit more difficult to pull off. Yeah, I with that part, I actually like rewound the video to watch because, yeah, yeah you mentioned it's. It, it, I guess the way we're explaining it, you would kind of think instantly think golden triangle but no this is it, it's way more impressive like he, he he goes diagonal like across yeah. the rig you know it's like it's pretty impressive he's not clearing like a large distance but it's the direction that he's moving that impresses me more than anything else it's also the air he gets too because he gets up pretty he gets up pretty good oh definitely uh and like he he like i said like we we're talking about before with high so he's such an amazing like aerial wrestler like like Definitely an influence on many and many a person who, who came after him. Uh, from here, Shizaki then hits Masao with a Sasuke special. And I'm just thinking, poor Masawa. So like, he does see, you know, like you see this move done by the great Sasuke. You also see this move done uh, more recently by, by Will Osprey, where he does a handspring jump out of the ring onto the floor, which is pretty impressive. Again, this man is thick. He's, he's not a light person. No, that that I think for me was like what solidified where I was just like, what made me want to go and just seek out more of Jinsei because yeah, man, like you, you keep hearing us talk about how he's a, he's a thicker boy. Never, never would I thought that this guy was going to pull off, you know, the Sasuke special of of all things. Yeah. uh, I'm going to say though, you don't have to watch like a lot of Jinsei Shinsaki matches because he doesn't really have, you know, like, Great matches consistently throughout his career. You you just go to cage match, look up the match guide, and, and just find some of like the, the the higher rated matches of his, and just watch those. It's which is it's what I did. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. I don't. Oh man, I gotta watch Shinsei Suzuki matches, and you're just like, well, he doesn't do anything in this match. Oh my god. Okay, let's watch another one. He's not doing anything in this match either. He's he's not the most consistent worker in the world, but when he's on, he's fucking on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, listen, hitting that right like. This guy made me a fan in this match, so he's doing something right. So from here, uh, Hayabusa hits his beautiful Firebird Splash, and Akiyama barely kicks out at 2.75, and this crowd is on fucking fire. There was, I don't know if you noticed, there was one guy in the front row. He was wearing like a gray scarf who, for most of the match, he was annoying me because he was like, he was looking down at something. He kind of just wasn't paying attention. I, it, was, it wouldn't have been a cell phone. You know, because it was 97. Uh, 
So he would have had like that Zach Morris that I believe he would have had that bigger Zach Morris phone, maybe a smaller one. But I was keep I was like whenever there was these high spots, I was looking at him. And at this point, because I thought it was over then um, when he kicked out at, you know, two point seven five, like you mentioned, that guy was just okay. Honestly, he was awake now, just fully paying attention to everything that was going on. Yeah, from here, uh, Shizaki does his praying powerbomb. So he prays a lot before he does a lot of his matches or during, like, uh, he prays a lot during his moves or before he does a move, and this is his praying powerbomb. He does this on Akiyama. Hayabusa then hits his Phoenix Splash, and only the, you know, the the timely intervention and, and really the, 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 like, the miraculous intervention of Azawa is able to save uh, Jun Akiyama from being pinned for the three count. Yeah, again, t- towards the end of this, there's so many uh, like false counts that I I was just like, oh, I, I pretty much was just like, all right, I'm not even going to take any notes now. I'm like, let me, I was so just into it that I'm like, let me let me see it from, you know, whatever, till it ends here, and then I'll go back and rewatch and take notes because, yeah, I mean, at this point, the crowd's super into it. They're just, they're hitting everything they got, and it definitely, you know, contrasting into the earlier parts of the match, it, it almost felt like two different matches, but they both gelled together. Uh, from here, Masawa hits the Tiger Driver on Hayabusa and then takes out Shinzaki on the floor with his elbow suicida dive. So basically, it's a elbow suicida is is the tope suicida, but this but you know Masawa doesn't hit some somebody with his like his body or his head. He hits him with his elbow, which is of course one of his signature strikes. Yeah, so Samoa so Joe's uh, he does it a lot, I believe, or used to. I'm not sure how often he does it now in WWE, but. That's a move I, I've, I, when I saw him do it, I was just like, oh, okay, that's where Joe got it from. Yeah, from Mitsuhara Misawa. Uh, uh, Shinzaki saves Hayabusa from getting pinned after Akiyama hits the blue Thunder Driver, which is a, a move, you know, people might, might not be familiar. That's a move like like Sami Zayn, El Generico does in his matches. So this is, he stole that from uh, Jun Akiyama, who invented the move. Always a favorite move of mine whenever I see people hit it. So I, I was happy to see, I was happy to see Jun hit it. Uh, Akiyama hits a diving elbow smash to the back of uh, Hayabusa's head, but it's not enough to put him away. There's an exploder suplex from Akiyama. Only a two count. Uh, Hayabusa hits a Frankensteiner pinning combo. One, two, kick out. Oh, my God. This match is just going crazy. Akiyama finally hits an exploder suplex on Hayabusa for the three count at 21 minutes and 34 seconds. And, uh, you know, and from here, everyone shakes hands afterwards, uh, you know, showing respect to one another. And I, I love seeing this in professional wrestling matches, you know, scrub. Like, people like, oh, I like the post-match angle where they beat the shit out of each other. Those are okay. I don't, I don't hate those. But I love seeing respect in a wrestling match because it, it just comes off so much more real to me. It comes across as, like, a sport, which is, like, my favorite kind of presentation of wrestling is, is as a sport. Yeah, same with me. Like I, um, I, yeah, and maybe it's just because I'm older now. But a lot of like the, you know, and not to harp on WWE and on WWE so much, but it's a lot of what they do now. They don't, they don't, they don't treat you like a smart fan. You know, they expect you to forget everything after the month, and no one can lose clean. And there's, it's kind of get in, get out, and on to the next thing. But. I I like a good po- a post-match angle, especially that sign of respect. It doesn't happen often uh, with a lot of WWE, but when it does, it's like, oh, okay, you know, it's usually like The Undertaker or, or one of those guys. There was uh, a feud a while back with uh, Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream. Where that was kind of 
the whole angle was kind of that like hey man velveteen like respect me say my name and then finally you know alistair loses and he's still just like ah okay there was that good show of respect after the match um so yeah that, that is also something that i like in it as well because to me professional wrestling should be presented more like a sport not that there's anything wrong with other types of wrestling but much like you when it is presented more like a legit sport i'm i'm usually happier and tend to talk more about those matches right so uh, let me just talk a bit about the the aftermath following this match so uh december 3rd 1997 in niigata uh and uh, shinzaki wrestled their last all japan uh real world tag team tournament match by facing the team of kenta kabashi and johnny ace yes the bella twins uh stepfather was teaming with kenta kabashi in 1997 in a match that goes over 20 minutes and uh you know like they 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 lost this match but you know like it they had a good acquitting of themselves against, you know, one of the biggest stars in the company, Kenta Kabashi. Um, and, you know, like, you know, Kenta Kabashi and Johnny Ace were part of a, a trio's unit with, with Del Wilkes, the Patriot of all people. And, you know, I, what was their name of their, uh, what was the name of their, their group? It's called G-E-T, GET. And what was, I forget what the G stood for. I think geographical, global, energetic, and tough. Uh, definitely not one of the cooler uh names that i've heard uh but i mean it was what it was the it was still the 90s so it makes sense listen like kobashi would follow that group up with a much better sounding group it's him akiyama and and some of the their their their, you know their, their younger wrestlers on the roster and they're called burning and that's way fucking better than G.E.T. yeah see burning that sounds that sounds fucking metal you know like Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go buy a burning T-shirt. I don't know how quickly I'm gonna run to the merch stands to get a GET anything. So from here, uh, you know, uh, you know, Haibus and Shizaki, you know, go back to their respective promotions. But you know, they come back to All Japan February 13th, 1999, and uh, you know, from they they make a they, they achieve a great milestone here. They win the All Japan All Asia Tag Team Titles. They they actually came back before. The February thirteenth date, but this is like the date of them winning like these these tag team titles, which are some of the oldest titles, not just tag team titles, but the, some of the oldest titles in the history of Japanese wrestling. And they would be the first non All Japan team to win an All Japan title. So that was a very you know big you know kind of like pat on the back from All Japan for wrestling to you know Hibus and Shinzaki as a kind of a thank you for like all the hard work they put into the you know, their previous appearances as a team. And just, like, I think a lot of confidence in both these guys. And I got to say, if, like, you know, the Noah split afterwards didn't happen in 1999, or, I, sorry, in 2000, maybe, you know, they would have tried to get both these guys to join their roster in the future. I got to think that was kind of something Mitsuharu Masawa had on his mind. And uh, finally, on June 4th, uh, 1999, at the Sapporo Nakajima Sports Center, back to... The match that we're talking about, the the venue where we were, we were talking about the match in, uh, Hayabusa and Shizaki lose the All Asia Tag Team Titles to the team of No Fear, Takao Mori and Yoshihiro Takayama. What do you think about the, the, the team name, No Fear? Again, sounds awesome. A lot better than G E T. Like it's it's almost weird. I and I get it. It's hard to come up with like a a tag team name, but definitely a lot. I I think. I'm not sure there's many uh, group names that can get a little worse than G.E.T. 
This this podcast is becoming like a a, a shit on GET uh, podcast in the second half here. But uh, from here, let's go back to Masao and Akiyama. They actually go on to the finals and they face face the Holy Demon Army and and they lose that match. But it's an awesome, awesome match. Um, Yeah, anytime you you get Masawa and any of his tag team partners taking on the team of Kawada and Tawe, you're in for pretty much a fucking epic, but um, we'll definitely talk about that match sometime in the future on this podcast. I'm sure someone was going to pick that, but yeah. So overall, what did you think about this match, Scrum? I really liked it. Um, the The story they told with, and again, I went into this not knowing any of the context behind the characters or or what's going on, and you giving me that info, I'm like, okay, it makes more sense. It makes more sense why. Uh, from the start, it is more of an exhibition, more kind of just, you know, one-upsmanship between June and Hayabusa. And you kind of just throw in the flashiness of, of Jinsei, which, again, for, for someone who looks like that, you don't expect them to hit uh, kind of the moves he does. But I, I was really impressed with it. And uh, my favorite part is just once the near falls start coming and everyone just starts, they take it up a notch. It was really awesome. It's fun seeing... I, I think a little bit from everyone that you can see a lot of the North American style, even the, you know, Japanese style. Now, a lot of what wrestlers do now, it's influenced by, by wrestlers like this, because again, in 97, I don't know how common it is to, to see these moves being hit, but this it's, it's more what you see now. And not that it's a bad thing. I, I prefer this style actually, but again, it was, it was really fun. And it's interesting that right now, uh, at that time in 97, these are the kind of matches going on in Japan and conversely, you know, across the globe. Uh, this would have been what post uh, Survivor Series, right? The the Screwjob? Uh, this is November. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah, is so like, this would have been post Screwjob. So, like, at least to me, I think WWE just lost their best wrestler and Bret Hart and not too long after they lose Sean. And so it's just – it's – it's interesting to kind of just see conversely like what one company is putting on compared to the other because in just a few years, you know, WWE's known for kind of being really behind on things. And by the time they latch on to something, it's already kind of evolved. And I feel with, you know, three, four years, the, the wrestlers they start bringing in, they're working more this style uh, as opposed to kind of the more robotic style that we were used to. Uh, but it's it's good to see. That like, you know, all these guys putting, especially that that walk that walk rope. Like, I'm just I'm glad that you know he made it safe, and I don't think I I believe he wrestled Joe. He's still wrestling, uh, Jinsei, right? I, I yeah. think I might have saw him wrestle Joey Janela once, if I'm not believing at one of uh, Joey Janela's spring breaks. Um, I don't know if it's something he's still attempting, you know, and. Granted, he's for sure a little older. I just hope he's still not trying that move because even then it looked dangerous. You know what it was, you know, all those years ago now. But no, I was, you know, I was really impressed with the match. Um, didn't see much from Misawa. I, I don't, I don't feel like this was a match where Misawa did too much. What he did was impressive. You know, I, I, I love his forearms. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I would, you know, I would give it four stars. I, I thought it was a really solid match from beginning to end. And enjoyed the story that they told. And then, you know, again, with the added context of the little mini feud between Hayabusa and June, it, it kind of added to my enjoyment of it, especially now knowing like, oh, okay, well, 
that makes it makes more sense. Well, you know, getting back to like uh, you know Shinzaki's uh, uh, top rope uh, walk along the ropes. You know, he was never allowed to do that in the WWF for for obvious reasons because mm-hmm. it looks so much better than the Undertaker's. Like you definitely know Undertaker was like he ain't doing my fucking move. I mean, it's probably the same reason Punk was never allowed to do the Pepsi plunge. You know, who wants to see who wants to see a pedigree when you see one off the top rope? Exactly. It's much. It, it definitely looks more effective than than Triple H's pedigree. But yeah, definitely. If you're if you're listening to this and you're going back, I'm gonna look up some Hakushi matches. And you're like, where's this fucking top rope walk that you know Scrump was going on about? I don't fucking see it. It's like, well, you can thank Vince and the fucking Undertaker for never being able to see this great looking you know move that Jinsei Sasaki does because like of course the Undertaker's not gonna let someone who does it better than him do it in his fucking company. But anyways, isn't that why? Cena didn't allow people to use a burning hammer because a burning hammer looks infinitely times better than the AA or FU or whatever you want to call the fireman carry that he does. No, but I don't, I don't think that, I don't know if he's, he banned that move himself. I can see WWE not letting anyone do the burning hammer because it's a really dangerous fucking move in, in legit, like in legit circumstances. You gotta be really careful. You don't break someone's neck hitting that move. I believe and then so we'll get right back on topic, but I believe it was Tyler Rex. Some uh, there was some he teamed with like uh, with Brian Myers for for a cup of coffee. But I I specifically remember him like telling a story that he was told like, hey, Cena doesn't like you using that move because it looks better than his AA. I might be misremembering. Uh, don't feel the need to tweet me reminding me that I'm wrong. If I am wrong, I will look it. Up. I promise you guys, I will look it up uh, after we're done recording this. Yeah, I mean, who cares what they ban yeah. or or don't ban or Cena doesn't doesn't like. Anyways, uh, back to this match. Um, I'm I'm gonna agree with you. My rating for this match was also four stars. I thought it's really fun. It built slowly, but and that and just hit the you know the different strides at different paces at at least two or three different times in this match, which I I like those kinds of matches that like you know build upon one another like kind of like a cake as it were um i like you know matches that start right off the gate and just are like sprints as well but like this is this kind of a match i think rewards you as you go deeper into it it's like ah okay they're building upon things they did before this is not like you know a, a super psychology match like they're not doing any limb work necessarily that plays into the finish or anything like that but it just it just kind of builds like the offense between the two teams it just builds and builds and builds until we hit in you know, the closing stretch and we get that that exploder suplex and you know hibus is pinned in, you know for the for the three but i just thought this was a great showcase for these two outsiders for, you know, Haibusa and Shinsei Suzaki. I don't know how often we're going to talk about, like, you know, these two guys in, in the series because obviously they're not All Japan regulars. I can see someone picking the, the, the match they have with Kawada and Tawei down the line on the series. But again, like, I don't know when that's going to happen or if ever that's going to happen. So I thought for you, Scrump, I thought I'd pick a, I'd pick a match that, that, you know, features two guys who are kind of outsiders. They're, they're kind of represent you, like as as an all Japan fan. Like you're kind of the outsider. You're coming in to to my world of the the all Japan '90s fandom, and you, you know you're you're hanging in there with me, giving a good a, a quitting of yourself. Uh, you know, giving good showing of yourself, and and I, I thank you for coming on there, and I, I I'm really happy that you you wanted to come on and. My first, my last question before we move on to plugs is like, what did you think of the presentation of 
this type of wrestling because it's it's really different. It's the '90s, so it's very different to what we're seeing here in 2020. Um, I yeah, you know, you could definitely tell it, it was a little dated, but I mean, that's more so just at least the one thing that's noticeable. Just obviously, you watch wrestling now, and it's a lot higher in quality. But no, I thought I I didn't mind the presentation at all. I thought it looked great. Um, there wasn't a hundred camera cuts to different things, which I love. Like just put the camera there and, and cut when need be. But no, I, I thought the presentation was good. Um, I love seeing wrestlers come through the crowd. Like it's just it's something that uh, with a lot of American wrestling you don't you just you don't see that often. Um, but with like older wrestling, I I very much appreciate that because it just gives it like it just gives it a different feel. You know, yeah, like like the, the fans rushing to the the aisles to try and get uh, you know to touch the, the the wrestlers coming down to the ring. But you know what's great is like all the all the younger wrestlers, the young boys. Uh, you know, they they're escorting the wrestlers coming up to the ring, and and they're usually like just keep, keep making sure the fans don't touch the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll see points in like Japanese wrestling where where young boys just like shove someone back. Like were there fan. were there any young boys that became bigger stars? Like that's always my when I watch like older wrestling, I always try to look for a, for a young boy and be like, all right, is that who? Oh, I don't know. In this match, yeah. Oh, Kenta's in this match. Or is he? Uh, now Michimara Fuji's in this match. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm, I, I think I see Takeshi Morishima coming out in this match. Like, yeah, a lot of these guys would be, like, who would become stars, like Yoshinobu Kanemaru. They're they're all being seconds. You might not see them, but they're out there, like, Takashi Sugiera, now Michimara Fuji, Kenta. Um, yeah, definitely, these guys are all out there. But, like, it's hard to pick them out when they're young boys, right? Like, I'll, I'll have watched a match, like, recently that featured... You know, like a young Hiromu Takahashi, you know, doing young boy duty, you know, and it's like, wait, who's that chubby little fat kid there? Oh, that's <laughs> that's, uh, that's Hiromu Takahashi. You, you don't recognize him when he's just got straight, short black hair, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's completely different to what he looks like now. But yeah, I'm the same way as you. Like, I'll go back and I'll watch. Sometimes I'll just watch matches just to see, okay, who's the young boy out there? Who's... Who becomes someone? Oh, there's Yuji Nagata when he's a young boy. Oh, there's you know there's uh, there's Hiroshi Tanahashi when he was a young boy. You know, like it's it's really fun. That's one thing that's really fun to do with with Japanese wrestling. If you go back in time, you get to see the young boys and and like 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 you say, like who becomes a star from this crop of people? Yeah, I mean it's it's always fun. I mean just with wrestling in general. Like I, I mentioned when I first got into wrestling, like if I. All I knew was like that 2005 Smack, even just SmackDown, because I didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch like Monday Night Raw. So even now, kind of going back and like, all right, what happened to this person? Oh, okay, they're you know they're somewhere wrestling in Puerto Rico, or oh, this person does uh, movie and TV work now, kind of just in the background. Like it's always fun, just what happened. You know what happened to your favorite wrestlers? But I very much enjoy it more so in Japan because there is that like that young boy system instilled, which is different than like a developmental system here in, you know, in the States, because it's, you know, someone that goes into developmental that goes down to an NXT isn't necessarily going to, you know, be shown until they're TV ready. But I very much appreciate the young boys being on screen. And then, you know, you go back later and you're like, Oh shit, that look, there's baby Fale and baby Tamatanga, you know, getting the shit kicked out of them by, you know, whoever's in the ring at the moment. Um, always just fun. A fun little thing to just look and see who's there. Okay, And then, and from this point, are you more interested in, in checking out All Japan Pro Wrestling of the 1990s? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, funny enough today, I don't know when this will go up exactly, but uh, today in uh, the F word mention, uh, the group chat that we have, there was uh, there was a link for, and I believe it was an All Japan documentary, and um, I was just waiting till I got home to to watch that. Uh, I've again All Japan, and it's I've always been interested in the history, you know, especially when uh, Noah props up and kind of just it's interesting hearing the history behind all that and especially now that i've like oh, okay now i now i have a direction of where to go and wh- you know what to start watching i definitely want to learn as much as i can because that's the fun of pro wrestling is discovering uh new wrestling you know you get introduced to one wrestler or a group of wrestlers through friends or family or just one day uh there are no cartoons on and you're just happen to find eddie guerrero on your tv uh but it's always fun discovering new wrestling too. Uh, the one thing I, I tend to do with one of my buddies, because he's all about wrestling his life, where I'm like, hey, have you ever heard of this wrestler? And then he just fills me in on, oh, you got to watch this match. You got to watch that match. Um, which I think is one of the perks in having a lot of friends that have been into wrestling for a long time, which also makes it weird that they were all super into this one thing, bonding over it. And I was just over here like, yeah, guys, but check out my Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you know? Um, so definitely post this. I, it, um, pun, no pun intended, but post this. I am interested, a lot more interested in uh, all Japan and, you know, just seeing, seeing how, just, just seeing everything with New Japan. I, I or New Japan, all Japan. I definitely want to delve into it. Well, you, you definitely can follow this show and all the, the the matches that we talk about here on the Long and Winding Road. Before we get to your plugs, though, Scrum, you should give a shout-out to your friend that you said was really excited about you appearing on the show. Oh, yeah. Shout-out to Trevor Outlaw. Trevor Outlaw, he, uh, I mentioned I mentioned him. He, he will always have a special place in my heart for he was the first person to ever come up to me and say, hey, you're Scrum, right? Oh, I heard your podcast. And that instantly I was like, all right, well, this person is my new favorite person, and uh, he actually works over with me at Pro Wrestling Tees now. And when he heard that I was going to be on this show, he was pretty excited because he listened to uh, to episode zero, and I was like, "Oh yeah, what'd you think?" And then you know, kind of just heard his opinion, which obviously you know he liked it. You know, we all love WH, and yeah, again, when I told him I was going to be on here, he popped for it. So, Trevor, I hope right now when you're listening to this that you pop for it. Yeah, Trevor, thanks for your support. I appreciate uh, you uh, taking uh, time out to listen to the show and enjoying it. Uh, Scrum, where can people find more of you? Well, uh, I host a podcast myself. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, the PWT cast, the official podcast of Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, new episodes drop every Monday wherever podcasts are found. And uh, yeah, myself and the uh, head designer of our Pro Wrestling Tees, Stank, we, every week we get together to talk, you know, wrestling, comic books. It's, it's, different than it's not the typical sit down and uh you know what what made you want to start wrestling and what are your top five influences not not like that you know we like to talk with wrestlers just about what they're interested in. you know we've had a, a lot of really fun episodes we uh you know we've had one with killer cross where he talks about like how horror movies have influenced his character and him um we've had uh hornswoggle on he talks about muppets and tattoos we've had ethan page on and we talk you know marvel movies power rangers we just we try to have fun and uh we even had kevin smith on you know that kevin smith director 
Kevin Smith. We've had him on. Uh, and, you know, recently we, we did an episode, uh, again, with all the things going on in the world. I'm, I'm not sure exactly when this will drop. But with everything going on right now, we, we kind of wanted to take a step back and educate people on something that was very close to us in um, Black Wall Street. You know, earlier last summer, uh, kind of why we started this group was you, myself, uh, Brandon from New Jersey, and our man Neil. We, all, we were all watching Watchmen. And, you know, the very first episode of Watchmen, you're introduced to this horrible event that happens in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And at first it was just like, oh, man, that's a pretty fucked up fictitious thing to wait. What? It's not a fictitious thing. Um, so we kind of wanted to inform people about that because, again, it's it's not something that's taught in American history. And we kind of just felt maybe we should educate people. Um, so if you enjoy my ramblings, you know, uh, you can follow us there. We're uh, at PWTCast on Instagram and Twitter. And again, we drop new episodes every Monday. Um you know, WH, we're definitely going to have you on sooner rather than later. Uh, you, we met the one time in, in Toronto and I wanted to podcast with you then, but unfortunately we were all running around and I believe I was actually leaving pretty, I was leaving like in a few hours. So we just didn't have time to podcast, but we're, we're definitely going to get together and podcast because WH is, you know, for, for all you guys listening, you guys know how cool the man is and to get him on and just, nerd out with him about wrestling and comics it's just you know it's every podcaster's dream maybe you just like have me on your, the pwt cast and you'll like send me pictures of wrestlers and have me comment on their gear maybe that can be a whole episode listen we can do that or we can you know we can bring on brayden as well and the three of us can just you know can just chat I don't think that would be that interesting. <laughs> I think that'd be interesting for for the three of us, like if we're sitting on a patio and enjoying like each other's company and enjoying some refreshments, like non-alcoholic for you, uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, but on, on a podcast, I I don't know. I don't think that would be that interesting. I'm not saying anything disparaging about you or Braden. I just don't think like myself and the three of us as a combo, like on a podcast, would be. Well, we're really focused, right? Unless well, we're talking about something like specific. We know where, where the real three-man team would be: you, myself, and Brandon from New Jersey. Or uh, you know, we should get we got to we got to include uh, you know Neil Neil Flanagan on on that as a four-person booth. You know, our man Neil. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm always down to hear the the beautiful dulcet tones of uh, one Neil Flanagan. That's right, the the Irish lilt of. Uh, of Neil Flanagan, but uh, Scrump, thank you very much for appearing on the Long and Winding Road. Road, uh, check them out at the PWT Cast. Check them out on over on Twitter. Uh, your what's what's your Twitter handle? At Scrump, it's at Scrump underscore one. Um, if you go to you know at PWT Cast, you'll you'll find it there. All all my all my stuff is there. Um, but yeah, again, thank you so much for having me and being the inaugural guest. Uh, I hope that. After this isn't the only episode he put out and everyone's like get this fucking guy out of here we don't ever want to hear him again uh but no thank thank you so much for 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 starting my fandom for all japan wrestling well in the future hopefully we can get you back on maybe at this time you'll pick a match you'll be saying wh i need i need to talk about this wolf hawkfield versus johnny smith match from you know 1998 and i'll be like ah 
okay, sure. Let's have you on to talk about that match. But we'll see. We'll see. I hope you you delve deep into this era. And to all the listeners, uh, especially of our, our debut episode, the episode zero, uh, a lot of the feedback has been nothing but positive and and I just want to thank everyone for their support and for their, you know, their their patronage of just listening. I don't have a Patreon, so not that way. But just for, you know, all the positive feedback, I really appreciate it. And uh, on behalf of Scrub, I want to say to all the listeners, thank you and talk to you next time and goodbye. Goodbye.